Welcome to Rooted Light, a show that centers on the path of being human first in the divine play of life on earth. This podcast aims to explore the bridge between mysticism and what it means to be a modern day human who is devoted to full spectrum healing. I am your host, Melanie Custodio. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Rooted Light. I know it's been a while since I have done a podcast episode, and I've been sort of processing some interesting tendencies I have around avoidance and perfectionism. And yeah, so. I I recognize that I have a funny relationship when it comes to consistency um, and showing up for things on a regular basis. And when I started this podcast, I knew that it was very, very likely that I would, this would not be the kind of podcast that you would expect to have a new episode every week or anything like that. I I knew that that would not be the case, but um, (laughs) I also find myself still kind of wishing that I had more access to a little bit more consistency with it. But as you can see, um, with the theme of this podcast episode, it's going to, I think, shed a little bit more light around maybe why I'm healing my relationship with consistency and with um, perfectionism, which I think many of us have. Um, Yeah. But aside from that, I just want to give you guys a quick catch up on my life, I guess. And I have been having so much space. It's been really lovely. And also it has brought to the surface a whole lot of fear and insecurity and a desire to want to control what happens next. Um... Yeah, I think I think I will leave it a little vague like that. Um, it is now December, and I live in the northern part of New England. And it is basically the sun is coming down right now at four thirty, and it's under twenty degrees outside, and. With all of the darkness and all of the stillness, and with just my idle time that I've been having, yeah, I just feel a mix of stir crazy, a mix of like something burgeoning. ready to blossom underneath the surface but it's not quite ready yet and with that I'm reminded a lot of trust and trust will be 
the central theme to this to this episode today and more specifically i'm going to speak to my relationship with trust and maybe you can relate to it so trust to me has historically been a pretty fickle thing <laughs> and one of the realizations i've come to over the years is like actually seeing trust and seeing what it just what it is which was very foreign to me and now i'm not referring to the endless clichés that exist in new age spaces and in self development wor worlds that refer to trust in sort of this ungrounded and intangible way i think you can relate to that i i I think you can where, you know, there's, you could scroll on Instagram and you could see endless, endless affirmations that say like surrender, trust in the process, all of these things. And they're lovely words to, to hear and wonderful reminders. But Maybe for you, like it has for me in the past and even sometimes now, it feels difficult to relate to. It feels really difficult to actually wrap my hands around trust. For many years, I have struggled with trust in my past, with trust in my work, trust in the process. And often my mind would enter a state of panic when I would hear that affirmation. Oh, you just need to trust in yourself. Or if I'd pull like an oracle card, it's just like, trust. And <laughs> just like, okay, what does that mean? <laughs> it's almost like, I don't know if you, any of you can relate to this. But when you're really dysregulated or really angry or stressed out and you're sort of exuding that and then someone close to you tells you to calm down, <laughs> just like drives you absolutely fucking crazy to hear that because it's like, don't tell me to calm down. And that's kind of the feeling that I got for many, many years whenever I was asked to trust. I was like, I don't know. I don't know what you want me to do. Don't tell me to trust. <laughs> you don't know what it's like to be in my body. You don't know. Like, it, yeah, just kind of spiraling in that way. And so I found myself just like, okay, trust. What does it mean to trust that I don't need to control? Okay, I got that. Not controlling. Wait, but am I, am I doing that right? Are my attempts of not controlling actually controlling in disguise? And then I continue to run in a hamster wheel of what the meaning of trust is in my mind and if I'm doing it right, <laughs> which is not the energy of trust at all. And so as I've slowly <laughs> worked my way of trial and error in my life, 
I have found that relating to trust feels more like relating to an energy that is living, sort of like an invisible friend. And I think we've all taken part of a friendship where it feels a little one-sided. I think you know what I mean. And so these are the friends that they just take on this energy of maybe being the main character in your sort of this supporting role. Which don't get me wrong, like any friendship, like you're there for support. But there is a sense of, you know, seasons and, and cycles with friendships where there are seasons where you may need more support and then maybe the other person needs more support. But I'm kind of speaking to the, the relationship where, it again, it, it's, it seems to be a little bit more one-sided. And so you're sitting there as the friend, listening to your other friend, kind of going off on tangents. And you sit there time after time again, patiently validating them affirming them, offering gentle reframing, maybe providing them guidance if it seems welcome. But you know that friend continues to loop in their own problems. They're not quite recognizing that their lack of acceptance of the present moment is exactly what's keeping them from moving forward. You continue to affirm, you continue to validate, until you recognize enough is enough and it's time to call them out on their bullshit if they're ready. And that's a big caveat because not everyone is ready. And I think a good friend knows when that is um, available. That is in uh, the, I think a good friend knows when the, when the person in front of them has the capacity to be called out on their bullshit. So that's very important. But Needless to say, you call them out on their bullshit and they, that they are indeed standing in their own way. So just painting that picture, I think we've all been in that sort of dynamic. And I just want to go down a little story in my life of how trust has been that friend to me. And Trust finally told me after 28 years that it wanted to actually be real friends and not just this disembodied concept that I could not relate to. A friendship that has something to stand on and that could show me the areas where I could actually grow. So I have, and I, I recognize that this is going to come off as a little resentful, and that is not what I intend, but I will call a spade a spade. And I will say that I have constructed so much of my life based on mostly inauthentic desires that were fueled by fear and social conditioning. 
I'm going to say that again. So much of my life, the decisions that I made in my life were based mostly on inauthentic desires that were fueled by fear and social conditioning. And other things like generational trauma and all blah, 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 other things too. But I won't say that the life I've created up until this point was entirely in vain. But in retrospect, I could see how that path could have had a lot more flow, a lot more grace and ease if I had developed a better relationship with trust. So we're gonna go down to story time. <laughs> and I, some of you have maybe heard some of these stories, so bear with me. And I am deliberately choosing a very extreme time, like a very palpable extreme time to sort of uh, convey the process of of my yeah the process of me learning what trust is so we're going to go way back in time <laughs> to my high school years and i wasn't like a regular high schooler i feel like i mean maybe there were other high schoolers like me there definitely were but i most high schoolers really were rebelling and not interested in school at all. Um, but when I look back on high school, I carried the entire weight of my future on my shoulders. And I am not exaggerating that. I, I just, I could not relax. I'd come home from school and immediately finish my homework. So then I could go to my part-time job, come home, eat dinner, and cry in my bed while I study for my history exam into the late hours of the night into the next day. That was a pretty typical day in the life for like the like two years of my high school career, about like two and a half years. To me, I needed to get the A on the exam so I could get an A in the class, so I could get a 4.0 GPA, so I could get into the good college, so I could get accepted into the good medical school, so I could get a job that I could finally be proud of myself for and make enough money so I could be happy. That, I'm not exaggerating, that was honestly my logic. And if you can just feel into how much pressure that is and how many steps and how even just the slightest thing in that equation that could go off would set me up for failure in my mind. Now, I don't share this to shame my younger self or to illustrate how different I, I am now than I was then. That's, that is not the point of this. I share this because my friend Trust never even had a seat at the table. 
I remember fear and worry consuming me. Like I said, if I fell short in any one of those steps of that equation, I would feel like I wasn't enough. And it often led to me feel like nothing would ever work out for me and that I would never get what I want if any one of those steps were off. So I got many A's in high school. I did graduate with like a four, just about a 4.0 GPA. And there were many a times when I truly felt like I was going to fail an exam. Like, that I have, I studied so hard and I applied myself so much, but my body, like upon like entering an exam, despite how much I prepared for it, I literally, like you could not convince me that I was going to do well in it. Like I, I, I just always prepared myself for the worst and would walk into an exam and feel like I would fail. And, but what would end up happening was I'd always like get the score back and at the worst case scenario, it would be like a B. So there was my, my friend trust saying, Hey, Melanie, you're doing it. You can loosen your grip a little, be proud of yourself, let go. But I wouldn't learn. <laughs> I wouldn't learn. I would repeat the same cycle over and over and ignore trust. Just like that friend that patiently listens to your same problems over and over. Flash forward a little bit was the time when the ground underneath me began to crumble. When I found myself receiving rejection letter after rejection letter in the mail from all of the colleges that I so deeply wanted to go to. I'm not kidding. They like span, they, in, a, in a month, in about a month's time, I just kept on receiving rejection letters in the mail. And at that point, I was absolutely devastated of course i i was the i just felt so called out i felt like the universe was like laughing in my face a big fat joke like you spent the last 3 years working your ass off for nothing oh you pr are probably wondering like why i didn't got so many rejection <laughs> letters and um I, I definitely applied to colleges that were way, way, way out of my league. And I had like a, not an accurate, uh, per, I didn't really have an accurate picture of like what type of student I was. So I wasn't very well rounded. <laughs> um, I didn't have the whole, and anyways, that, and I did not score well on my standardized test, but that's, that's, and I think other divine reasons, which I'm getting into now. <laughs> um, but anyways, back to the story. There was one college that I applied to that I knew with certainty that I had like an easy in. It was like my safety college. But of course, like this college was 
also happened to be like the very last college I wanted to go to. To me, this college represented mediocrity and settling and where everybody else is going. <laughs> I didn't have valid reason, reasons for not liking the school. I, I actually did tour it prior to applying and secretly thought it was pretty nice. But that's not the point. The point was that I had worked so hard to get into a better school I had these goals, I had a plan, and this was not part of the plan. So I think you can see where the story is going. Yes, I was accepted to this, to this school, my safety school, and I spent the next four years having the best fucking time of my life. It was everything that I needed from a college experience, again, at that point in my life. Looking back, I can see in subtle little ways how I was divinely guided to meet certain people and have certain experiences during my college experience to learn deeper lessons, reach greater levels of my own maturity, because as you can probably gather, I still had a lot of growing up to do. <laughs> and also expand my sense of what was possible for myself in a digestible way. So I want to emphasize that this particular college at that point in my life was the perfect cocktail of experiences for what I still, like my soul lessons were, what I still needed to learn and to set me up for my next steps. Now, I'm sure we can all throw a platitude on that story and be like, well, when one door closes, another door opens, end of story. But to me, it's less self-centered than that. To me, that story represents trust as an energy finally speaking up for itself and saying, Hey, I know you think you know what you want. And I know that you think you know what's best for you. But you don't get to run the show all the time. And you need to give me a chance to have a more active role in this relationship. And I would love to pat myself on the back and say, and then I had a healthy relationship with trust and I learned to let my high my heart guide me, <laughs> which of course <laughs> was not the case. So it is true, and they say that a pattern will repeat itself in your life in many ways, forms, and complexities in order for it to be truly transformed. So there were many more lessons to that. So how this took form, the next lesson was I reached my last year of college being like, well, shit, all my friends have internships and grad school plans lined up for them. What am I going to do with my life? <laughs> and in the span of about three months, I remember this very well. 
I decided to make a decision relying primarily on my mind and again, my avoidance of fear. And I set myself on track to, to invest in a very expensive and very exhausting graduate, graduate school program. And I realized that sentiment seems mired in regret and I don't necessarily regret this decision, but I do feel as though my soul chose this path to learn how to transform fear and control and to lean into trust once again. So many of you know, I went to physical therapy school at that point. What was the difference this time? So this time when I was entering in graduate school versus when I was in high school, I had a lot more confidence in my abilities and my ability to, to succeed in an academic environment. It wasn't like in high school where I was constantly